This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Tell you what, man, this is a great crowd for Labor Day weekend. I'm loving this. You guys are pumped. You're ready to hear the Word of God. Amen. Well, I want to get into the message here in just a second, and everything that was just spoken and the songs we sang, they tie right in with our topic today, and uh, none of that was planned, so I know the Holy Ghost is on to something here today. So you just buckle up, put your helmet on if you need to. It's going to be a wild ride for a few minutes. Uh, praise God. Um, first of all, I want to say um, really quick, in the bookstore, I want to show you this. I've been asking for a long time. Uh, this is... It's all part of what we're talking about today, but we just got these devotions in there. This is my personal favorite devotion. I read this every morning, 365 days a year from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. It's called the Faith to Faith Devotion. We haven't had these in there for a couple of years, and uh, and so we finally got a fresh stock. But I'm telling you right now, this is the absolute best way to start your day right here, this devotion and the Word of God. So these are in the bookstore. I don't anticipate that they will last super long, so go grab one uh, after service if you're looking for a daily devotion or something to kickstart your day. And anyway, I'm just really excited. I wanted to show you that we finally got these back there. Uh, so see Melinda in the bookstore. And the second thing I'll say is if you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you and uh, you can follow along. But I want to go ahead and pray and get into the word today because God's laid something on my heart that I believe is very specific for us today. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, uh, so much for an awesome church family to be a part of, God. We're surrounded by our brothers, by our sisters here today, Lord, and we know that you have a word for us. You have something that you want to do today. And so, God, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds and our ears to the word of God, Lord, in the name of Jesus, and that, that whatever it is that we came in here, Lord, any burden, any problem, that we're laying it at your feet, Lord, we're casting those cares upon you, for you can care for us, and we know that you're going to change some lives today, and you're going to get the glory for it, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So the title today is this, An Eternal Perspective, An Eternal Perspective. And, uh, you know, kind of what where this came from, we have a Tuesday morning prayer meeting that we call Warfare Prayer, and usually it's, uh, yeah, usually it's uh, a bunch of the ladies from the church and my mom, and then me and dad. And so, but we pray the fire down. It's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and, but my dad had said something this week that kind of sparked something on the inside of me. You know, because oftentimes people will ask you, man, what, you know, what, what was this person thinking? How, how did they, how did they get themselves into this situation? Or, or, or what happened over here? And really, what it all boils down to is something that Jesus said in Mark chapter 4. I'm just going to have them put this on the screen. You can write it down, but we're not fully turning there right now. But Jesus explains something really perfectly in Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower sows the word. You ever heard that? Jesus tells a story about a farmer that goes out casting out seed. And the thing is, is that all the seed, it landed on different kind of ground. It was the same seed. He didn't throw some corn seed over here and some green beans and some potato. No, it was all the exact same seed. 
but but the results had to do with the type of ground that it fell on. And sometimes I wonder how the exact same two people could be sitting in the same room hearing the same sermon and for one person it changes their life and somebody else they walk out and say, man, I didn't get nothing out of that. Was it because this person heard a different word or there was a different sermon or a different seed planted to this section than that? No, it all has to do with the condition of the ground and the ground that we're talking about today is your heart. And so how come some people just grow in the Lord like crazy? Some people are spiritual giants and they've only been following God for two or three years. And then there's somebody over here that's been a Christian for 40 years and they're just always in the dumps. They're always, they they don't ever have any victory. Why is it? Is it because this one guy just got a great word from God and God gave him an extra special seed? No, the exact same seed was planted and thrown to, to everybody. But it has to do with the condition of your heart. And so this is in the Living Bible, but it, uh, it's in Mark chapter 4. Uh, Jesus said, he's told what, what the different types of ground represent. The hard pathway where some of the seed fell represents the hard hearts of some of those who hear God's message. Satan comes at once to try to make them forget it. I know a lot of people like that. The seed was sown, they're like, huh? What just happened? I don't even know what happened. And so there's some people that are starting with it. The rocky soil represents the hearts of those who hear the message with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. And though at first they get along fine, as soon as persecution begins, they wilt. I know a lot of people that they'll hear the word with joy. They're like, yeah, but they're pretty shallow. They just they don't have a good root system going. And, and as soon as somebody says, you go to church? Well, I don't know. I, I guess I don't, I don't know. It's not really my thing. I just and so as soon as there's an ounce of persecution, they quit and they fold like a cheap house of cards. They're just they fold. OK, but let's keep looking at the different kind here. Um, verse 18, the thorny ground represents the hearts of people who listen to the good news and receive it. I know, man, that's that's. That's awesome. They hear the word and they receive it, but all too quickly, the attractions of this world and the delights of wealth and the search for success and lure of nice things come in and crowd out God's message from their hearts so that no crop is produced. Man, if I had a dime for every person I've seen like that over, I would have a lot of dimes in my possession right now. But look at this. Then there's this next category, and that's who this crowd is today. That's the good soil. It says, but the good soil represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a plentiful harvest for God 30, 60, or even a 100 times as much as was planted in their hearts. That is, I mean, that's what we're going for right there. Every summer, Katie and I, we take the kids to Sequoia National Park. This year was our sixth year or something. And you see these trees. You would not, has anybody been to Sequoia in here? It's, it, it's almost unbelievable. The first time I saw a Sequoia tree, I just started laughing because it looked so, it looked stupid. I'm like, what in the, that's a joke. What is this thing? The, the trunk is like, I mean, as wide as one of those sections of wall over that just, it's that wide just in one direction and it's nearly 300 feet tall and you're looking at it you're like, this thing's, a, what is this? It looks goofy. It's, but, but, but the, the, this, the, the sequoias, they can only grow in like two parts of the world and the most perfect part is in central California right there where they grow because they have to have the exact perfect soil. They can't get 
really below freezing that often. It, it can only rain just the right amount, and then it has to have a, an actual, uh, they have to have wildfires every so often to, for whatever reason, that makes that part of California the perfect place on earth for these to grow. And the sequoias are the largest living things on planet earth. There's no other living things bigger than these on planet Earth. But the thing is, they'll show you the seeds. There's these tiny little seeds. And the, uh, the pine cones, you'd think they'd have like a pine cone the size of a pineapple. The pine cones, I mean, they're, they're pretty embarrassing. They're like this big. They're like an inch or two big. I picked some up. I Actually, I don't think I'm allowed to do that, so scratch that from the Internet. I, I, I somehow... I acquired some anyway. So, but I've got these, I've got these pine, and they're tiny. And I'm like, what happened? How, how is it that, you know, other places in the world, you think these things could grow? But no, it all has to do with the soil. And these things grow at an alarming rate until they're nearly 300 feet. The circumference is, it's insanity how big they are. And I'm thinking, man, I see some Christians, it's like, they just boom. They grow, they get big and strong, and it's not because, I mean, they may have came from a bad upbringing, they may, they may have come from, they didn't have a bunch of money, they didn't have a bunch of resources, yet for some reason, they just grow and do awesome things for God. Why is that? It's because of their hearts. It's good soil. They hear the word of God, and then when someone comes and makes fun of them, you believe that? Yeah, I believe it. Absolutely, I believe that. We're, you don't believe it? You're the weird one. I'm not the weird one. Come on. And then, you know, somebody comes in, well, it seems like this didn't actually work for you. Sure it did. I don't know what's wrong with you. My answer's coming. It's happening right now. You just can't see it because you can't see when you plant a seed what's going on beneath the surface. It may look like nothing's going on. I remember one time my redneck brother Joe here, we lived in Indiana, and so, sorry, we had, we had very fertile soil. He's out in the yard. He's a Marine, he can handle himself. So, he's out, he's out in the yard, and the ground there, it can just grow things like, it's, it's some of the best farm soil in the world. And so, I'm walking out in the yard one day, in the middle of the yard, I see a giant cantaloupe. And I'm like, what in the world? Let's just go pick this up. And it was attached to, to the, the root or the vine or whatever. Like, what's going on here? Well, apparently he had just been out there eating some seeds. There was some loose dirt. He spit his seeds down in there. And sure enough, the rain came. And this giant cantaloupe begins growing out of the middle of our yard. Because the soil was just perfect. And so I'm asking you today to examine the condition of your heart, the soil that's going on. Well, I mean, the, the seeds being planted, why is it that this lady right here should get an absolute harvest today and, and this, the guy right beside her should, doesn't get anything at all? Is that, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not tooting my horn, but is that my fault? Hey, I'm just preaching the word of God. And, and so I'm doing, I'm laying that out there. Is that somebody else's fault if you don't get anything and don't grow? Well, really, there's a lot of responsibility on you to have the right heart to receive the word of God and watch God move in your life because the good soil, some people produced a harvest of 30 times as much as the seed that was planted. Some people it was 60 times as much. And then there was some that grew 100 times as much has been planted in their life. That's, uh, that's outrageous numbers right there. But Jesus said it, so I believe it. And I know that could be you. And so... 
what I'm getting at today is this, is us having an eternal perspective, because there's one type of ground that really sticks out to me here that Jesus talked about, and that was in verse 18, the thorny ground. Jesus said the thorny ground represents the hearts of people who listen to the good news and receive it, but all too quickly the attractions of this world, the delights of wealth, and the search for success and lure of nice things come in and crowd out God's message from their hearts so that no crop is produced. Some people are producing a hundred times. These people with the thorny hearts, they didn't produce not one thing. No crop whatsoever was produced in their lives. And so that's what really stuck to me, because I see a lot of really good people. They are not bad people. They're good people. They hear the word of God, and they're like, yeah, I'll receive that with joy, man. But then they get so easily distracted. Do you know anybody that gets easily distracted? Don't raise your hand if that's you. But I'll raise my hand because I, you can ask my wife and my kids and I tend to get easily distracted. And I mean, I'm working on that. I'm in my thirties now. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and try this grown up thing. I'm going to adult for just a few minutes, but I'm trying to get there. And, and, and I know what it's like to be easily distracted. You start out your day like, man, I'm going to do this, this and this. I'm going to repaint the white house. I'm going to rebuild Mount Rushmore. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go feed 5,000 hungry kids. And, you know, then it's noon and you're like, okay, so now that I've ate my cereal, what am I going to cap and crunch is done. Let's go find some. And, and, you know, and I, that's a struggle that's been in my life, but I'm overcoming that in the name of Jesus. And so he says right here, these are good people, but they get distracted by by the, the lure of nice things, the, you know, the, the search for wealth, the hunt for more money and, and all this stuff. And, and listen, I'm not against having more money. I'm not against being blessed, but when it steals the seed out of your heart and you stand before Jesus someday and you didn't produce one single bit of fruit, there's someone beside you that plant, that, that, that produced a harvest of 100 times as much has been planted and you show up like god i made 400 million dollars that's my net worth bravo uh but you had you didn't produce not not one crop for the kingdom of god i'm not i mean that's that is not how i want to stand before jesus i don't want to show up with all my money and say god look at this look what i did and he said that's nice good but listen you didn't produce any fruit at all And you had every opportunity. You sat in the same church as everybody else. This guy over here did this. This person over here did this for me. You didn't do anything at all. What's going to be the answer to that? How do you respond to that? Because we all stand before Jesus and have to give an account for our life. And I don't think that's going to be a very fun moment when he says you didn't produce not one single crop. You had 80 years and you didn't do nothing. That would be, I mean, I'm just saying, examine your heart. And the reason, my whole premise of this entire message is to show you that the reason most Christians don't take their faith more seriously is because they don't truly grasp the concept of eternity. They don't realize how real eternity is. We often wonder sometimes, well, what, man, this, this guy's a Christian. Why do you do that? Or what's going on over here? The only answer that I have for why some people don't produce some fruit for God's kingdom or why some people just don't ever seem to, it doesn't click is because eternity isn't real to them. 
They believe Jesus. They want to go to heaven, and there's people like that. But until you get the understanding that heaven and hell, they really are real, and that and that, that the spiritual, that, that, that heaven is even more real than what you can see right here in this room right now, until you get that, you're not going to have any urgency at all to go out and, and, and share the gospel with all nations and, and make disciples. You'll have no urgency if all you can think about is the football game. If all you can think about is, man, there's a new spot open at work, and I'll bet if I did this and I crushed that guy and I stepped on his head and I stabbed him in the back, I could get it and I can make that extra 75 cents an hour. I'll bet I could. What? I hear stuff like this, and I'm, it's really worth that to you? When we, I mean, you have to have an eternal perspective. Everything in this life is nothing compared to eternity. And until a Christian really gets that in their heart, really gets that, they're going to get caught up in political fights. They're going to get caught up in arguments about this over here. They're going to fight about money of this over here. No wonder we see people acting stupid, fighting over a chicken sandwich at Popeye's. Listen to me. What's up? Why? Why? Why is this happening? Because they have no concept at all that eternity is real. If you don't if you don't grasp this, you'll fight over chicken sandwiches. You'll fight over stupid things. And in the end, you'll realize, man, that didn't matter for nothing at all. And so I've got three things I'm going to say today. And the first one is this. Number one, seek God's kingdom first. Now, we all, you've heard that. You even know the verse I'm going to go to, even if it wasn't on your outline. Ninety percent of you know the exact verse I'm getting ready to use. It's a refrigerator verse that every Christian knows. But Matthew 6, 33 is where we're going to go. Matthew 6. And so, seek first the kingdom of God. And, again, we all would say amen to that. I don't know any Christian that would say, I don't agree with that. We all agree with it. It's just most people don't actually do it. And if we're just being real now, most people don't actually seek God's kingdom first. They will seek it to some extent, but not first. And so Matthew 6, starting at verse 31, I'm going to read in three different translations here because I like the different comparisons. The NLT says, so don't worry about these things, about talking about possessions and stuff, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. The very thing that other people are fighting for and stealing and cheating and scheming to get. God says, listen, seek me first. I'll just give it to you. You don't have to fight anybody for it. I'll, I'll get it to you. Hey, just put me first. That thing that everybody else would would just kill over. I'll give it to you, man, if you'll seek me first. The Living Bible says, so don't worry about all, at all about having enough food and clothing. Why be like the heathen? Who wants to be like a heathen? I want to be like a heathen. I want to be like a Christian. For they take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. But your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need them. You think God doesn't know what you need? You realize that when you pray to God about a need, that's not the first time he learned about it. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know Robert needed that. Wow. Caught me off guard. Tell you what. Wow. Golly, golly, Gomer, what are we going to do here? No, he already knew. Your Heavenly Father already knows what you need. It's not taking him by surprise. It's not catching him off guard when you bring a need before him. 
says he already knows perfectly well that you need them. And he will just give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. It's not simple. Seek him first. Live how he wants you to. And he'll give you everything you need. Still go to work. Keep your job. It's nice to be employed. But at the same time, when you have an eternal perspective, and this may be mind-blowing. Not everybody may agree with this. But when you have an eternal perspective and you fully realize that God is your father, you no longer see your employer as your provider. They are a means through which God provides my needs because my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I'm glad, you know, it's great to have a job. Yes, we got to have one. But at the same time, they don't own me. They don't tell me what to do. I don't bow down to them. Listen. God is my source. God's my provider. I'll show up. I'll be a good employer. I'll be the best one you've got. But at the end of the day, if you fire me, if you lose me, you let me go, I am not going to lose any sleep over it because you were never my source anyway. God is, and God will get me a new one. God will get the need. Listen, one time Jesus and the guys needed to pay their taxes, and they're worried about taxes. Jesus said, go down there to the lake. Catch a fish. The first one you catch, there's going to be money in his mouth. Get it out. Go pay your taxes. Pay mine too while you're down there. Sure enough, the disciples go down, pull out a fish. There's money in the stinking fish's mouth. They go, if God can deliver money directly to you better than Amazon Prime, if he can get a fish to come up and bring the money to you, that's better than free two-day delivery, somebody. Listen, I'm telling you right now that if God can use a fish to get it to you, Why would you worry about where it's going to come from? If God can rain manna from heaven, if God can have quail run through the village every day to give you fresh meat, why are you going to worry and say, I don't know where it's going to come from? Listen, when you've got the eternal perspective, you see God as being your father, your provider, and your source. And if somebody else doesn't like it, they can get over it. You don't own me. I belong To Jesus, I was bought with a price. I've been adopted into the family. God's my father. Jesus is my big brother. And you don't want to mess with this family. Can I get an amen today? And then the Passion Translation says, so then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that's what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your bodies require? He knows you need food. He knows you can't walk around naked. He's going to get you some clothes. He knows the kids grow like weeds at this age. He knows they need new shoes every three months. I didn't know that until recently, but man, kids, they grow fast. They're starting to eat a lot. It's taking more money than it used to, but I don't worry about that stuff because God gets it to me. And so it says he already knows the things your bodies require. So above all, Constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. And so that's what I'm talking about. The eternal perspective, seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all of these less important things will be given to you. And you realize that pretty much anything in this world is less important than heaven. I've not seen anything else that I've come across in my life that I'd say, you know what? It's worth risking heaven for that because that looks really great right there. I'll bet that that's on the same level as heaven. 
not a chance in this world. There is nothing in this world that is worth losing heaven over. There's no dollar amount. There's there's no pleasure. There's no addiction. There's nothing in this world that's worth giving up heaven over. I'm telling you right now. And until that clicks with inside of you, you're not going to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And so someone may think, well, yeah, sure, seek first the kingdom of God. But to be honest, that kind of sounds like a burden. Let's just get real. Sometimes when we say things like this, you think of somebody that was maybe some old, you know, sour religious person that had no joy at all. I know people like that. And if that's seeking first the kingdom of God, I don't want to be like them. They're weird. They're rude. And I just don't want to be around that. But that's not what seeking first the kingdom of God is. And you do have to realize this, that seeking first the kingdom of God does require sacrifice. I would never lie to you and say, seek first the kingdom of God, man. It, it, there's never any sacrifice. It's just happy street. Every, no, there is sacrifice because Jesus does ask us to give some things up to go his way. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that ever find it. Why is that? Because there's a lot of people that they don't want to give up. Their stuff, their things, their pleasures, their addictions, whatever, are more important to them than the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, listen, everybody's invited, but not everybody goes. He doesn't, it's not his will that any should perish. It's his will that every single person would show up in heaven someday. But the truth of the matter is not everybody's going to go to heaven someday, even though Everybody's invited, even though it's God's will for everybody to be there. Not everybody will be there because some people just flat out can't let go of some stuff and they still want to hold on to it. And Jesus said, listen, I want you to be there. Seek me first, live righteously, and I'll give you that. I'll give it to you anyway, but you're going to have to let go of that. And some people, they don't want to let go of it. And sadly, they would rather hold on to that and, 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 and sacrifice the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you right now. Even if you live to be 150 years old, that is just a drop in the bucket compared to the next five billion years in heaven. You you would yeah I don't care if you you live the longest life on planet Earth. That is nothing compared to the reality of heaven. And so get this in your mind. Some people may think, yeah, it's a burden. That sounds kind of like a drag. Like that's going to rain on your parade. Well, yeah, you will have to give some things up. But guess what? I have found this that. Legit evangelical Christians that literally go to church every Sunday, do you realize that the divorce rate for the majority of America is over 50%, but for actual active church people, it's less than 10%? That doesn't sound like a burden to me. That sounds like, yeah, I'll take that. You can have all that stuff. I'll, I'll keep my marriage and my children, thank you very much. You can tell you have the money, have everything. That's fine. But I'll take that. That doesn't sound like a burden to me. Do you realize that on average, that was from Harvard University, according to Vanderbilt University, the average weekly church attender lives eight years longer than people that don't go to church? That doesn't sound like a burden to me. That sounds like awesomeness. Come on, man. And people are getting all caught up. Listen, he said, seek me first. Give me first crack at you. Oh, come to me first. I'll give you all that stuff and you can have heaven on top of it. How's that sound to you? That's the eternal perspective. And so what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God first? Well, it means a whole lot of things, but I just had 
have three little sub points here. The first thing I would say is choosing to please God more so than people. Choosing to please God more so than people. And I can tell you right now that's not going to make everybody happy. But Christianity was not meant to be a popularity contest. And so if, if your main concern is to be popular, you're in the, the wrong line here. We're not always the most popular bunch because we don't do everything everybody else does. And when somebody's doing something really against the Bible, yeah, I'll, we'll say something. And so you're not going to be super popular, but when you choose to please God more so than people, you're seeking the kingdom of God above all else. And another thing is obeying his word. Why? Because Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He didn't say if you if you love me, you'll do this, this and this. If you love me, you'll do. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That's how we know somebody actually loves Jesus. When this doesn't mean they're perfect because we all keep making mistakes, but it does mean they're not sitting there. Every day willfully going against the word of God on purpose, knowing better and then saying, I love Jesus with all my heart, soul and strength. Call that bluff right there. No, you don't. But listen, when we're obeying his word, that's seeking first the kingdom of God above all else and and, and living righteously. And then another thing is thinking of the eternal consequences of decisions. Because an immature person, a child, they'll do something that will bring them five minutes of happiness, right? They'll, they'll eat all the cookies in the cookie jar because for the next five minutes they're going to be super happy, not realizing that they're probably going to get sick from it. And also when mom finds out, someone's going down. Someone is going to pay the price for that, right? And so a little kid, they, they think five minutes ahead, man, I, I know they said not to, but if I, I, I just, this is going to make me so happy if I do this. And that's what little kids do. And, and mature adults will do the exact same thing. Like, I know that I'm probably isn't going to turn out good, but man, uh, this is going to bring me some immediate happiness. So I'm just going to do it. And then you're not weighing the eternal consequences of your decisions. That's, that, that, that's not what a mature Christian does. That's not what a, a disciple of Jesus does. We need to take eternity into account. In our decisions and what we do. Think about this. We're talking about being good soil. Somebody that produces a crop of 30, 60, 100 fold. We're talking about somebody that actually does something for the kingdom of God. And I can't stomach the thought of showing up in heaven and having done nothing for God. When Jesus, Jesus gave it all, he died, was murdered, torn apart, ripped to shreds for me. And then I basically did nothing in return. I was like, Jesus, I want my get out of hell free card, so give me my fire insurance. I'll just carry that with me right here. I'll say this prayer. I'll repeat after you, preacher. And then I'm just going to, you know, hey, whatever. And, and I, can't, I can't bear the thought of showing up to heaven like that, knowing what Jesus went through. And then me, I couldn't even sacrifice Loving my neighbor as myself. I couldn't forgive somebody. I mean, the things that people fight over, you just can't overlook some of these things. Sometimes people, man, I tell you what, some guy cut me off in traffic. I'll tell you what right now. Oh, no, I caught him. I sped up, got in front of him, brake checked him, and then I went forward. I showed him. You showed the world that you're a moron. You showed everybody that you're as stupid as we thought you were. Listen, that's not doing 
why why live your life that way where you've always got to get the last word? You've always got to get the last jab. Yet we don't produce fruit for the kingdom of God. What's up with this? Why would we want to live like that? Well, the truth is that's somebody that doesn't have good soil for their heart. And, you know, one thing I've seen also is so many times somebody, they'll seek God's kingdom because they really want the blessings. Then they get the blessings, then they forget all about God's kingdom. God, if you'll, if you'll just get me out of this one, I swear, man, I promise you. I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. Oh, Lord, I would take a bullet for you, man. I would, I, I, I would lay down my life for you. I would do anything for you, Jesus. I, I'd go to jail for you, Jesus. And then you won't go to church for Jesus. Come on. <laughs> I, don't lie. Let's just get real here. Let's get real for a minute. There's a lot of people that, that they'll seek God with everything they've got because they, they need a financial miracle. They need a job bad. They need their marriage fixed bad. So they'll give Jesus everything. They need healing bad. And sure enough, they apply the principles of God's word and they get their miracle. Then they're like, it worked. All right. Deuces, we'll see you later, man. I'm going out the back door. I'm out of here. And, I mean, that just breaks my heart because that's the thorny ground. They heard the message, received it with joy, got what they wanted. Then the lure of nice things, the, 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 well, the King James says the deceitfulness of riches, the, 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 the things of this world. Like, well, I know, man, I, I need that. And so they go out there, and Jesus said, man, I told you I'd give it to you if you just stick with. I was going to give it to you anyway. But you had to run out there to them to get it. And so that's something for us to kind of think about, something for us to at least ponder in our minds a little bit. But I can tell you this much right now. If the blessing God gave you pulls you away from sitting at the feet of Jesus, pulls you away from your father's house, pulls you back into the world, I don't think it was a blessing. I think it was a curse disguised. I've been working with a young man for several months that he was in here and he needed a great job. He started serving God. He started, I mean, he started really going after the things of God. Got his dream job and hasn't been to church since then. I'm not making fun of the guy. I love him. I text him every week and he's off on, he's off every church. He's off. But he got what he needed out of Jesus. He, you know, he, he went to, some people say his sugar daddy. He got what he wanted, got it. Then forgot all about God. Now, and it's not just that he's not going. I see him online cussing, telling dirty jokes, living just like he used to. And I'm like, Jesus got you that dream job. He got you something that you weren't qualified for. He got you something awesome. And then you just walk away from him. Why is that? Well, there was a thorny heart involved. And when the thorny heart gets what they wanted out of it, out of God's word, they just move on and produce no fruit. But the good soil, oh, they, they get what they were, they get it. They, they get the blessing, but on top of that, they produce 30, 60, 100 times as much as was planted in their heart. And so Jesus says, seek me first and I'll get this stuff to you. The second thing I'm going to say about, about having an eternal perspective is we've got to give our worries to God. And I'm serious. That, that sounds like such a basic thing. That sounds like so, so simple, so elementary. That's not that deep. 
But if it is, if it's so simple, why are there more Christians carrying their burdens around on their own back instead of giving it to God? I'm going to flip us over to Philippians chapter 4, but as we're going there, I was reading the news this week. This is just this week, and I made mention of this earlier, but I saw that a man opened a lawsuit, filed a lawsuit against Popeye's chicken for running out of the chicken sandwiches that he created. ABC News, this is for real, legit stuff. I'm talking about this guy filed a lawsuit against Popeye's because they ran out of the chicken sandwich. And here's what he was on the news. He said this. This isn't I'm not making this up. Direct quote. He said, I just can't get happy. I have this sandwich on my mind. I can't think straight. Now, listen, I spent 18 of the best months of my life in the fried chicken industry at a small restaurant in Indiana. I loved it. I couldn't get enough of this stuff. You know, people are like, do you get tired of the food after working there? No, I never did. I loved it. I'd eat it every day. I get it. I get the love. I don't, that's not what, the, but, but this guy, he's a, I just, he says, I, I just can't get happy. I've got this sandwich on my mind. I can't think straight. It just consumes me, he told the news station. And so he said he became so desperate to try one of the sandwiches that he paid a man $25 on Craigslist to get one, but the guy tricked him and didn't really have one. <laughs> and this is a, so, so the, <laughs> I hope I'm not giving anybody ideas here. Don't go on Craigslist selling Popeye sandwiches for $25 if you don't have one. And so the guy shows up, the man doesn't have a chicken sandwich, so he speeds to a few towns over because he thinks that Popeyes might have a chicken sandwiches. He ramps the curb and breaks the rim on his car. And so he's suing Popeyes for the amount of five thousand uh, dollars what what's the for for uh for damages and for mental distress or something like that. And I mean it's gonna get tossed out obviously, but at the same time, if your life is that screwed up, if you are just that out there that a chicken sandwich can send you off the deep end. You don't have an eternal perspective, obviously. You've got some issues. Uh, yeah, there's something going on right there. But, but, but I was reading about that, and th- then I saw this lady in Chicago sued Starbucks for putting too much ice in her iced latte. Yeah. And, and, and so she goes to court, and the courts, they see the case, and, and, and Starbucks, they, they show up, and they say, well, she can always just ask for less ice. And the judge was like, that's true. He threw the case out. You can just ask for less ice. You don't, you don't have to, if, that, if there's too much ice, and, and it tripped her up enough to file a lawsuit. And so what I'm saying is this. Listen to me. We laugh at that stuff, but some of the things that we get tripped out about are pretty dumb, too, if you'll just be honest about it. Some of the things that we let rain on our parade sometimes are pretty dumb stuff. And I'll tell you this much, any problem that we have in the light of eternity is minuscule absolutely nothing any problem you have in this world is nothing compared to eternity philippians 4 6 and 7 it says don't worry about anything are you sure about that jesus you said don't worry about anything because there's some stuff that i should worry about well according to the word of god don't worry about anything instead pray about everything Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's already done. Then you'll experience God's peace, 
which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That right there is the answer that so many people need. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. And then you will experience God's peace. And the King James calls it a peace that surpasses all understanding, which means you've got so much peace, you don't even understand why you're that peaceful and joyful. It makes absolutely no sense that you would have that much peace and joy with what you're going through. But that's the peace of God. It doesn't make any sense. It's so good. The human mind can't understand the peace of God. How you could be going through this situation, yet you're not tripping out. How you could be dealing with this right here, yet you're perfectly fine. You know, I'm thinking about this, about giving your worries to God. And I've just got so many testimonies in this room. You know, I was healed of leukemia. My dad was healed of stage four cancer last year. Dylan right here, two years ago, that was stage four throat cancer. And I mean, it didn't look good for this guy. But guess what? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, man. This, it, this guy, he was already a disciple of Jesus. He took it to a whole other level, this guy did. And I'm telling you, he ain't ever looking back. He's not ever going back. Why is that? Because... Now he's got an eternal perspective. You realize that there is nothing in this world that's that big of a deal compared to heaven and hell. There's nothing that is even dust on the scales of life compared to heaven and hell. I think of Miss Pam, how she also, had two years ago, same year I think, was diagnosed with this cancer. And, and boom, came through it. God healed her. And we've got all these testimonies right here. And I'm telling you, when you kind of face something like that, it makes you realize a little bit, you know what, this isn't even worth arguing over because heaven's real, hell's real. People are going to both places every single day, and I'm going to fight over a sandwich. I'm going to fight over this. I'm going to fight over politics. I'm going to get an argument over this. It is not worth it. When you realize heaven's real, you've got an internal perspective. And when people bring all this stuff to you, I give it to God. I thank him for all he's done. I pray about everything. I don't worry about anything. And then the peace that surpasses all understanding guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so this is on your handout. Any problem you have is minuscule when you compare it to the reality of eternity. I had to look up how to spell minuscule, but that is correct according to the dictionary. Any problem you have is minuscule when you compare it to the reality of eternity. And that doesn't mean to make light of anybody's problems, but I guarantee you the biggest thing you're facing right now, a hundred years from now when you're sitting in heaven in your mansion, you know, that, that won't even register on your mind. The, the, the thing that's giving you the most problem, maybe the, you know, a, a bad relationship, a, 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 a something with your spouse or kid problems, I'm not making light of it, but listen, a thousand years from now, when you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging out with Jesus every day, that won't even matter one bit. You won't even remember. It, it'll be nothing. I'm not going to lose sleep. I'm not going to let something in this world make me do something stupid uh, for the next world. The kingdom of God is more important than anything in this life. And anything I face is absolutely nothing compared to heaven. And the third thing we're going to say today is this. And I mean it with all my heart. 
we need to focus on heaven. And I, I say this a lot. I just realized when I was writing this how often I preach about focusing on heaven. And I do it a lot. Why is that? Because I'm a guy, I, I'll sit there and zone out and think about heaven. I'll stare at the wall and like, what are you thinking about? Oh, heaven? Really? Yeah. I love to think about heaven because it's real to me. It's not some make-believe fairy tale thing. Heaven is so real, and I can't wait to get there. That's why, you know, they say you can't, you can't scare, you can't threaten a Christian with death. You can't, you, what, you're, you're threatening to get me to go to heaven just sooner. Man, hey, I'm there. I'm not afraid of it. And that doesn't mean I'm going out doing dumb things trying to kill myself. That's, I'm not doing that. But at the same time, I'm not afraid of dying someday because I know where I'm going and it is a billion times better than anywhere I've been on this planet. There's nothing here that compares to going to heaven. And I know that, that the, the uh, modern Christians, we lose sight of this way too much. And it's so easy with the 24-7 cycle of our phones and I guess TVs and everything else that has access to your heart. The book of Proverbs says, guard your heart above all else, for it affects everything you do. And in our day and age, that is a task. That takes some doing. That takes some effort to guard your heart because the world has nonstop access to you from the moment you get up to the moment you lay down at night. It's got access to you. You're reading the stinking news. You're reading all the fights and nastiness and, and then these guys are mad at these guys and these guys are doing this and, and then you've got your friends taking pictures of their food and putting it on your, on, on your Instagram and you're like, well that's cool and taking pictures of themselves and, and, and all this stuff and it's nice and it's cute but come on man. Come on. How much of our time, if we just, and I, I mean this, if the average Christian spent even one quarter of the time in the Word of God that they spend on their phone, I'm not even asking for a, a full even match. I, I'm saying if the average Christian spent even one quarter of the time with their Bible that they spend with their phone, how much stronger would they be? Now, I can't even, I mean, I don't think right now I'm not, that my mind could comprehend or handle if you spent the exact same amount in your Bible as you did with your phone. I, I, I believe that it could happen. But, uh, you know, I'm saying if that actually happened, I mean, Jesus would already be back. You would have preached the gospel to every nation. We would have fed every poor person. We would have done it all by now if we took the Bible as seriously as we take Instagram, the news, and Facebook, and our phones, and words with friends, and the angry birds, and all this stuff. Listen. If we gave Jesus as much effort as we gave to that, I'm telling you, we'd be sitting in our mansions in heaven right now because the whole world would have heard the gospel by this point. But what would happen if heaven became so real to us, if hell became so real to us that we gave Jesus even 50% of the time that we give to the news to a social media, to all these other things. What if we gave Jesus just half? I'm telling you, man, you would be so much stronger. Your heart would be that good soil, not the thorny, the rocky, or the hard. Your heart would be such good soil 
that I bet that you'd go out and change the world single-handedly. Colossians 3, verses 2 through 3 in the Living Bible. I love this. The Apostle Paul, because he had a vision of heaven, he said, let heaven fill your thoughts. You know, some people are like, man, that guy's so heavenly minded. He's no earthly good. Well, I know a lot of people that are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. They're not producing any fruit at all. They're going nowhere. And so, according to Paul, he's not saying, whoa, time out. You're thinking way too much about heaven. Pump the brakes. Airbag. Take it easy. You're, you're taking this heaven thing way too seriously. No. Paul said, let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. You're worrying about the fake when we haven't even got to the real yet. You're worrying about the fake stuff. You haven't even been to the real, your real life, the real thing is in heaven with Christ and God. Yet we don't ever even think about that. That doesn't even flash across our screen. I realize we got to deal with things in this world. I realize we're raising kids. We're paying bills. We're, 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 we're trying to get some. I get all that. But heaven should still be on your mind through it all. Heaven should still be your real home. You know, don't worry about all this stuff, man. You, you gotta, you gotta get this that your real home is in heaven. The rest of this, it's not even real. It's not even real. I was at a, our, our kids had a, several years ago, they had a, a, a Dr. Seuss night at school when they were uh, here at Cameron uh, Elementary School. And they brought Miss Barstow in, uh, you know, nice little girl to read, uh, the, the cat in the hat. And so she's reading the cat in the hat to these little kids. And she's like, kids, what would you do if the cat in the hat came to your house? And this little boy stands up and goes, he ain't real. And I was like, yes, somebody gets it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it was cute and it's fine to read the cat in the hat. But, but at the same time, there's so many people. You're getting so caught up in this story of the things around you. You're tripping about the cat and the hat and the green eggs and ham. And you haven't even realized that your real life is in heaven with Christ and with God. And you're worrying about things down here. You got to realize that this is not the real thing. The real thing is in heaven. And so Paul said, you should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. It doesn't even matter right now. And so the last thing I want to show you today is this. It's in Revelation 21 and verse 4. Now, you've got a reference on your sheet there from 2 Corinthians 12. Well, Paul actually uh, had a vision of heaven. He was allowed to go to heaven one time. Before he actually physically died. God caught him up to the third heaven. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians. You look that up later on. That he saw and heard things so wonderful. They couldn't even be put into into words. He's like I would like to tell you about my heaven experience. But I can't even describe the things that I saw. And so Paul said I've been there. It's real. But what I want to get to here is this. Talking about having an eternal perspective. 
Revelation 21, and I want to look at verse 4. Revelation 21, verse 4, because all of chapter 21, it describes heaven. It shows you the river with the water of life. Talks about the tree of life that's planted beside the river. It bears a new fruit every season. Every season there's a new fruit on it. But but what I want to get to here is this, just to wrap it all up. Because I need to get a group of people today. I need to get a church full of people that understands how real heaven is. And also how real hell is. And so we'll start making choices and decisions based upon that. Revelation 21 verse 4. It all comes down to when we get there, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That is the final. That is it right there. Period. All these things are gone forever for some people. This seed has been planted in your heart today, and it's doing something. It it will change the way that you behave. It will change the way that you treat people and the decisions that we make. Then I'm I mean I'm 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 very I understand. There's also some in the crowd today that I'm not not pointing, not making fun. I'm not guessing who, but guarantee you, there's some in the crowd that it hit, it kind of bounced off, uh, or maybe uh, they 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 received it a little bit. And heaven sounds fun. Then you know you receive a little persecution and and you'll forget about it. But I know for certain that there is a percentage that was sitting in this room today that heard this word. And it's going to produce a harvest. There's some listening on the Internet. Okay, it shocks me how many people listen to that podcast from this little church in Barstow. Get people from, I mean, all over the world emailing me from from Holland and from Korea and from Japan and 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 all these countries. And man, we're listening. Keep it up like what? But I'm telling you, there's people that are listening to this on the Internet right now that. They're going to get it too. Some will, some won't. But what I'm uh, praying for today is this, is that in this room, there's some of you that your heart was the, just the right soil today to hear about this. And you're going to start fully understanding how real heaven is, how real hell is. And it's going to change the way you raise your kids. It's going to change the way you treat your husband and your wife. The way you submit to authority, the way that you are an employee at work, it'll change everything about you. If you understand, why am I going to get mad about this? I, I may work here even for 30 years, but that's literally nothing compared to eternity. It'll change your life when you get an eternal perspective. Can I get an amen today? Let's stand up together if we could. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 